what we're going to do is we're actually going to break down the... Thank you, Porthos. I, I like it how you bleed into my audio. And unfortunately, I can't put you outside of the room because then you start scratching on the door. See what I deal with? Wow. episode of The Gloving Paradigm, where I'm your host, Peter, a.k.a. LPD, the cringiest Glover on YouTube. You're not funny and nobody likes you. You get the idea. So, what is it this week that I want to talk about? Well, since the last time I made an installment within this series, it was, uh, quite the, um, quite the turnout in terms of views. Like, it's literally my most viewed video on my channel of all time, thus far. And it feels like it's gonna be the only one as high as it is for some reason. Either, either way, there was a lot of reception from the last time I did an episode like this, and what better way than to continue on with this series talking about a particular style that most people don't even think is a style. I, I don't know why, considering that this this is a style that put a very, very small little state in the United States on the map in terms of the gloving community. Yeah, it's kind of strange how people think that. Who said that? Yes, we are going to be starting in on another Archetypes of Gloving, one of my favorite series that I like doing on this channel because no one's really covering stuff like this to the totality that I actually go to the lengths of. Why do I go to these great lengths is because I want to try to cover everything about this particular archetype or any archetype within gloving in general. Yeah. I find it interesting how people say, you know, ask the questions, why does it take 40 minutes for me to explain it and think? God, that there are people who understand. Like, seriously, yeah. If it was easier, it wouldn't take as long. I mean, you know, I, I'm a I'm a podcast channel, not a tutorial channel. T -t -t you know, tutorials can be short, but video essays aren't short like that. I know that, Dip Switch. I can see that. So, what style do I want to cover this time around? Well, it is a very particular style that most people only know as a concept because it's how it started. It was a very simple concept. But as time went on, this grew into a full-fledged style. And what is it that I'm talking about? Platforming. <laughs> yes, the infamous platforming that put the one single state of Hawaii onto the gloving map because that's where, I don't want to say it originated, but that is where it very much became popular. And a lot of people from Hawaii tend to have this aesthetic within their repertoire of their gloving shows. And it's very interesting to sit here and think about it because some people don't think that's actually true when it's 
very, very much true. And again, the people who don't believe are the ones who didn't come into the gloving community until much later. So it's weird that they're contending it. You know what I mean? It's... All right. So there's a lot that goes into this particular style. And there's a lot that we have to break down. So unlike how my morphing episode was, which was very meticulously curated to that style for the purpose of actually explaining it, platformer doesn't need to go under that kind of level of scrutiny in order for me to actually explain it to you. It's much more, I would say it's much more easily applicable to people than say morphing is as much as the people who like to say that morphing can only be done by the people who can naturally do it, even though I can prove them wrong because I've taught people how to morph and they're able to pull off the morphing aesthetic relatively easily. So it's not an innate thing that is like hereditary. It's a learned thing. If people who created it can teach it to other people, then it's a learned thing. It's not an innate thing. Sorry, Alec. Mm-hmm. I heard that. I wish I didn't hear that, but I just heard that. All right. So, where do we begin? The first thing I want to do is disclose some information for you guys. Okay. So, first things first. When it comes to actually doing the study and research on this particular subject matter within gloving, there is not a lot of available information on it. I mean, yes, we do have puppets, a little tutorial that you had on Facebook. We also have Furon's a couple tutorials on YouTube, even though those are relatively dated and it's kind of hard to justify watching those now considering how he approached his tutorial and considering how tutorials are formatted today. It's vastly different, so take it as you will. However, I will certainly say that I spent a lot of time breaking things down and understanding it, and you'll find a lot of my research notes posted within the Worldwide Glovers Discord chat under the How to Glove section in the Concept of the Month platforming category. So go ahead and go check that out if you want to see all my notes in there, and I'm going to use a lot of the notes in this episode anyways, so they also have that for you as well. But yes, there is not a whole lot of available resources talking about platforming in particular. Why that is, is beyond my understanding. I Maybe people didn't think about it in the sense that it would develop into a full-fledged style and cement itself amongst the higher echelon of gloving as a style. But here we are. I have so many questions! Okay, so with that disclosure out of the way, I can actually talk about what is platforming. So, what is platforming? Well, my understanding of it is that it is a perceptual concept style that creates illusions of forced perspective by using grid theory to maneuver about the field of vision, by providing a flat surface not only to move about on, but to use as a point of movement in conjunction with causal sequencing to provide a method of behavior on the mechanics of the style. A common analogy people refer to when it comes to this style is replicating the animations <coughs> Sound familiar? from platforming style video games, from retro games in the 80s and 90s like Super Metroid and Super Mario Bros. to the early 2000s battle games like Super Smash Bros. and Castlevania. These are only some ideas to give examples of what the effect is supposed to look like when performed correctly. One major thing I want to point out is that this concept operates differently than most concepts within gloving because it focuses on a different aspect 
than the other concepts and styles out there. Instead of focusing on positive space, which is literally what your hand occupies within the field of vision, it focuses on negative space and what we can do with it. A common analogy or point of reference that a lot of people will point out when it comes to platforming utilizing negative space is with this picture here. As you can see, if you focus on everything that's colored in black is simply a key. Nothing more, nothing less. However, when you start to focus on the white part of this picture, you start to see a city skyline with the moon off to the side. This is where platforming loves to operate on because of the fact that we can utilize the negative space to create shapes and images, and that's what sets it apart from all the other styles. Okay, so as much as I try to encompass as much as I can within my own definition of what platforming is, it's still not enough because there's, again, a lot of depth within this style and within a concept itself really but platforming can be a concept within your style or it can be the entire encompassing style of your entire performance you know and that's what makes it so very interesting unlike morphing where you have to embody everything from beginning to end in order to be considered morphing or using particular lights in order to come off with the effect of what is known as impacting or conjuring to that same extent Platforming doesn't operate off of that. Platforming actually operates off of regardless of what lights you use because that is not what it's focusing on. What it is focusing on is it's operating off the application of the concepts that it's known within the technical based styles that gloving has. Within finger tutting, king tutting, digital work, digital liquid, grid work, sphere grid work, all those things is definitely something you need to take into account. However, the other thing that people need to understand is that there are different ways to talk about platforming. The simplest rudimentary, or rudimentary way to talk about platforming is literally taking finger tutting and king tutting and combining them together. A lot of people will say this is pretty much an easy way to do it, which is technically true, but that's only surface level thinking. That's not in-depth thinking when it comes to it as a style. As a concept, yeah. But it's developed into a point where you really need to start thinking about how people talk about it. So, a couple of characteristics I definitely want to point out when it comes to platforming as a style is that, one, when it comes to grid work, it's not just using the grid as a framing device, which yes it is, but you need to understand how it uses this framing device to convey what it wants to convey. So if you think about the grid, and how it's supposed to be drawn out. There are supposed to be layers. You know, we have foreground, midground, and background, right? Well, platforming wants to utilize this part to create a 2D plane. Basically, the best way I can put it is taking something like grid paper and operating off of that, right? This is how platforming likes to work because it's still using grid theory, but it's conveying to you a very flat surface plane. It's one of those things that I think a lot of people tend to not think about or they don't realize that that's a very important part about platforming is that it's using negative space to convey a plane for the viewer to watch, okay? Um, okay. Now, the other thing I also want to point out when it comes to a characteristic of platforming is this mentality that comes with the movements, okay? so. A common thing that I've been told, and 
Thank you to Genghis Wrath for explaining this to me in a way that I didn't realize until it got to this point is that when it comes to platforming and showing a flat surface and having the other hand operate with on it, what how he explained it to me is that your base or the platform is posing a question in which your accessory or the other hand basically is to respond with. So for example, taking my hand and posing the question like this, I am now going to answer that with volt, with various ways I want to go about either coming crossing coming up it to show different grid points or utilizing the positive space to draw on the negative space that is known around the shape which is my hand. There are various ways that platforming goes about doing this and it has its own as weird as it sounds it has its own terminologies. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to take the terms that are very unique to platforming and break them down and help dissect them so you guys can understand when people talk about platforming these are the very common terms that come up. And yes a lot of these terms I got from Puppet's video because that's where I had to start from and what I had to work with. The first term that I want to go over is pretty much how platforming itself is able to move about upon the grid which is known as dissections which is the maneuver where one hand moves with on the grid and the other hand follows the same movement. Variations within this maneuver are delayed dissections which are one hand is always one step behind the lead hand, parallel dissections which are movements done in the same direction, perpendicular dissections which are movements done with each choosing different directions from the other hand so if one goes vertical the other one goes horizontal, Polarized, which are movements that are always opposite of each other. Mirror dissections are always reflected. And tandem dissections are movements done together, but are independent in their motives of operation. The next term I actually want to break down is what is called as follows, or what I like to call them as follow-throughs, which is a tracing tactic showing the negative space either around positive space or the space in which your movements move around upon, which if you think about it, dissections also play into that, but however, follows and dissections are different because the tendency when it comes to dissections is the hands coming back together to form the singular shape that they need to do. As follows is actually just moving about independently drawing upon the negative space there, and that's what helps focus upon negative space. The next term that I want to talk about is bases or platforms, which I know it kind of sounds weird to hear that, but that is a term that you do need to recognize. And that's basically the hand that provides the flat surface or the base, as it were, to utilize the platforming techniques. And of course with that comes the accessories, which is the various concepts that each hand utilizes to change shapes and the bases provided. So if you're wondering what you're thinking about on that, it's basically think things like digits, dials, things of that nature where your hands can change up the shapes. The next term I definitely want to cover as well is called levels, which is a concept within the style which are two bases that are spaced apart to show negative space that operates within that space established. And of course what tends to come with that is another term known as flips which is a maneuver in which the base changes size by rotating either 90 degrees or 180 degrees usually used in conjunction with levels. And with these this also conveys that you can have negative space contain mass as in parts that you can't penetrate through you know kind of like how pantomiming does it. Oh I see. Yeah. Okay so couple things I want to touch up on before we actually start moving on from this point is when it comes to platforms or bases whichever term you want to use they're kind of interchangeable at this point is that there are multiple faces 
that the bases use. You know, and the best way I can explain it to people is you gotta think of it like a cube with on the grid as well. Just, you know, that's your platform. Your platform is going to have a cube-like shape to it. How Puppet puts it is that he talks about seeing a platform from his perspective. So you're seeing this part, but what he's seeing is that part. And this is where he wants to operate off of, which is totally understandable. And that's something that you're gonna notice when it comes to platforming as it is is that they tend to operate with what they're seeing in their perspective and trying to convey that to their viewer as well. However, you'll notice that they actually do different types of you know, platform faces. So you got something like this, you also have something like this, and you have something that can come underneath as well and also be in front of your accessory. And I think that's where a lot of people are gonna start to notice that isn't just, you know, have a flat surface with your hand and then do stuff on it. No, you can actually have other shapes. The key point that Puppet is going to point out is that as long as you are getting a flat surface, essentially a flat surface, a flat surface that is provided in those contexts, that is your platform. So this can be a platform, this can be a platform because there's still a flat surface for me to operate off of. So that's one thing you need to take into account. The other thing as well is when it comes to using your accessories to have a response to your platform is that you also have to essentially respond with your platform from the answer it is. So every time you pose a question and it's responded with your accessories, now you must respond with another question from your platform is essentially how you're gonna go about it. And I know that's gonna sound really, really weird and convoluted, but there is a lot of styles within platforming itself that does allow that to happen. So with that all being said, we can actually move on to the variant styles within platforming itself. Because yes, platforming has developed enough to actually have different variant styles. However, before we go into that, I do want to state that some of this stuff that I came to understand or what I developed in my own understanding of platforming maybe a little bit more theoretical than you know having actual demonstrations of that particular variant of style. And the reason why I say that is because keeping to the ethos of what platforming has always been talked about saying if you think about certain platforming games and go with that, that's the idea. So what I did is try to break that down into a more methodical approach so you guys can understand. So these first four styles, I want to stress that these are more the theoretical variants within the style of platforming, as in these tend to stick with what platforming is, but these are the variations of what general platforming tends to operate on. And the first one I want to talk about is the Metrovania variant, which is the variant in which one hand acts as a character exploring different parts of the grid using negative space and positive space to convey the depth of world map navigation. So if you think things like Castlevania, Metroid, things of that nature, you will actually understand that you're conveying to your audience that you're exploring a world on the grid and on the negative space provided, rather than just moving from one side to the other. The next variant that I want to talk about is probably one that a lot of people have seen but never really truly recognized it. this is the Super Smash variant, which is the variant that focuses on using a base to maneuver about the space in a spectacle-like fashion, giving the feeling of intensity. 
So like the name intends if you think like Super Smash Brothers, where you have a lot of bombastic movements happening while bouncing off of a singular platform as it were, then you tend to understand where that term comes from. The next two variants within this theoretical variation are just kind of like how one would just approach these type of platforming games. And these are very common ones, you think. Now, the first one, I didn't really know what else to call it, so I'm just going to call it from the game that it's based off of, and that is the Ice Climber variant, which is basically the variant in which levels are implemented to give the negative space a conveyance of descending and positive space placed as an anchor to essentially climb upon. So yes, you will see that negative space feels like it's going downward as the positive space is moving upward because you are essentially climbing vertically. And the next variant after that would be considered a side-scrolling variant, which is essentially what Ice Climbers is, but instead of going vertically, you're going horizontally. If you think of things like Super Mario Bros, that gives you the idea of how side-scrolling is supposed to look. You can also think of things like Sonic, Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, things of that nature. Now, there are two variant styles that people know within platforming itself that's really distinct from just general platforming. And the first one is clocking, which that should not come to anyone's surprise. But clocking is a platform-based style in which the platform is a face, and using the other hand as an accessory, using causal sequencing to animate the creations like a clock. So basically, clocking is one of the variant styles that really pushes on the component of causal sequency to the greatest degree because it has all the dials and cogs working together in various variations that you'll see. And the last variant style that we know that comes with platforming is known as puzzling, which is a style in which the base can interchange between both hands and use accessories to connect together, creating an image when observed on a bigger scale. So you can look at pieces of a puzzle at a very small scale, but when you start putting them together, the picture on a bigger scale should be conveyed clearly. That is the idea when it comes, that's a general idea when it comes to puzzling. And I'm sure we're, I'm pretty much gonna have an episode detailing that on its own. Now, when it comes to these variations within platforming, yes, the first four are kind of like a general idea when it covers platforming in general. But then you also have clocking and puzzling, which are a little bit more acute variations within platforming in general, because they take different axes of approach within the performance. So one thing I will say when it comes to clocking is like, yes, you do have the face, the hands, which together makes it the full face. And you also have the trigger method, which is what Mez will even talk about further within his own tutorial series about clocking, which yes, I will definitely cover clocking in greater detail. But just to summarize it here, you have a trigger, which is something that causes the sequence of things to happen. So it takes causal sequence to the greatest degree, but clocking needs a trigger to be what it is. So for the greatest example that he always shows is he shows us a face and he uses the thumb to be the trigger. So the thing that starts it all off, right? That's the idea when it comes to clocking. Puzzling uses more of the abstract thought process of manipulating negative space to a greater degree because what it's doing is that it's creating shapes with smaller interchangeable parts that when observed on a bigger picture scale then it makes a little bit more sense and that's something that you know at first some people are probably not going to get but the more you start to study within that 
you'll start to see what they're coming from. And yes, that probably will get its own video as well if I don't combine that with clocking because they're you know within the same style of platforming. But you have those variations. And one major thing as well about all of this is just like with morphing, that masters of platforming will be able to interchange between all these variations of variant styles that are within the platforming style, basically. <laughs> So yeah, you can go from puzzling to clocking to side scrolling to ice climbers to Super Smash to Metrovania and start interchanging them all. Or you can combine them all together because one of the things that makes platforming so unique is that it can convey negative space moving as well as it being a fixed location on the field of vision. And that's probably one of the huge things that a lot of people take about. You know, if you think about things like how Animal Crossing moves about, especially on the DS version, it's able to convey that kind of movement within the negative space. So I definitely want you guys to keep that in mind. Okay, so with all that being said and all that out of the way, we can finally get into the techniques or the components that people need to understand when it comes to platforming itself. Now, I would originally come up with like the ideas of the mechanics of platforming, but platforming draws on tech-based concepts. You know, everything within platforming is a very technical thing. Therefore, it doesn't really make sense for me to sit here and give you guys the same spiel when it comes to tutting in general. You know, I, I already did an episode about tutting in itself. So I'll definitely break out the major components that you need to understand when it comes to the technique of platforming. But when it comes to the, the very basic mechanics of platforming, it just draws from a lot of the tech-based concepts that we have within gloving. Just like the styles before it, platforming is unique in that it can be a simple concept within your light show to a full-fledged gloving style that put a small island chain on the map, just like how grunge music did for Seattle in the 90s. When we look at platforming as a concept, it's taking any facing on one's hand to provide a flat surface as a base in which the other hand will operate from. When it comes to platforming as a gloving style, it takes four major components to master to make up the, the style itself. One being negative space utilization, which is probably the defining component of platforming. Utilizing negative space is what allows platforming to create concepts unique to the style. Having negative space be the literal canvas to place the images and movements on is what provides the vantage point for the viewer to perceive the two-dimensional images on negative space, even when you move laterally on the field of vision. Platforming also makes negative space appear to move and expanding how the viewer can see it. The next most crucial point when it comes to platforming is perspective manipulation, which this comes with two concept methods, depth perception and force perspective. Using these two techniques allow for platforming to perform and create its illusions that we are able to see. This also helps with the 2D canvas things like the Ames Room effect, which is just one of the many methods that platforming is able to utilize to its greatest effect. A third major component that a lot of people should understand when it comes to platforming, and it's probably one of the most obvious ones to understand, is grid theory. In which platforming uses as a framework rule to move on the field of vision. This also includes sphere theory when applying to more flow-based concepts. Hence why when you see platformers do things like Super Smash variant style movements, such as flails upon the grid, they are using sphere grid theory to still maintain within the framework of itself. It's one of the major components that a lot of people do not understand or don't really hear talked about enough. Which also probably tells me I should probably do my own episode about sphere theory alone. 
The fourth and final component that you need to understand when it comes to platforming is causal sequencing, which that should not be any surprise to anyone because I've used that word so many times so far. Also known as cause and effect, this is the method in which the question and answer paradigm exists for platforming to create the narrative structure of the performance. This component is lent to as much variation of substyles within platforming because of how one applies it. So I just want to further elaborate on these points now when it comes to these components of platforming is that there are a lot more, there's a lot more minute details that need to take into effect that people don't really talk about. So when you hear people talk about platforming being like a 2D framework thing, what they are talking about is negative space. And the 2D images that platforming is known to convey is on negative space it's really really hard to sit here and say yes you can make a 3d object appear on negative space to your viewer when i don't really think that's necessarily the case again we're going to refer back to the key or the vase two faces you know force perspective or negative space manipulation examples beforehand yeah it kind of only works on a 2d perspective and when it comes to incorporating the aesthetics that we know from video games of platforming such as Super Mario Brothers, Metrovania style games, Super Smash Brothers style games, or anything of that nature, what they're talking about in the 2D framework is that when you have negative space, it takes occupation on a ground. What do I mean by a ground? I mean by a foreground, a midground, and background. These grounds that we know on the lateral movement of the field of vision, where I'm super up close into your fore ground where I'm not super close but I'm not too far back into your mid ground and your background where I'm super far back. When we talk about having a 2D image framework we're talking about placing that negative space canvas that I mentioned earlier on which ground you want to operate on. So yeah you can have it right here on the mid ground and operate with on the mid ground and still draw these images right. But here's the other thing incorporating depth perception and force perspective manipulation, you're allowed to move on two different for on two different grounds to still make it appear to be on one ground. That's where the force perspective come in. Case in point, when you look at things like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, a cliche that we've seen a billion times from different cartoons and movies and weddings and all that jazz. So that's one key major point that a lot of people are going to point out when it comes to platforming is that when you are drawing images on negative space, it's going to be a 2D image. Now, utilizing your force perspective and depth perception on your viewer is still going to allow you to draw those images on it but you still be able to do things in different grounds that you have within the field of vision that's where you can have things all of a sudden show up and then change in a random thing where they go oh i didn't realize that that was part of that you know that's where you get the surprise factor that platforming is known for the other thing i kind of want to touch on is when it comes to the grid theory application within platforming it's kind of like it's language in terms of movement. Like, kind of like I would say a framing device, but it's also its only operation of movement on the field of vision. So, like how impacting and morphing and certain other styles also use box theory as its framing device and it has its own way of moving about the field of vision. You know, morphing being a great example that doesn't necessarily even want to use grid theory to move about the space. Platforming requires grid theory in order to move about the space, in order to give off the effects and that aesthetic look that platforming is known, especially if you're trying to replicate the gaming look that platforming is known for. You know, if you want to try to look like your show looks like Super Mario Brothers 3000, then you gotta use grid theory to pull that off. 
And I think what I would consider as the glue of the whole thing would be causal sequencing. And this is another key point that I want to make sure that we are stressing is that causal sequencing is probably another characteristic that if it's not done right, you're not platforming properly. It does not look good. Because if you recall from all the other platforming games that I mentioned earlier of how they look when you watch them move about the screen, everything moves in a mechanical grid-like fashion and you can see the relationships of these movements happening together. The kinetic energy that goes on between all these components within the screen of these video games, you can replicate within your show. And I think that's where a lot of people are going to start to realize how much more in-depth platforming actually has as a particular style within itself. So, where does that leave us? Where does that leave people who want to study more about platforming? Who, who should you be watching? It needs me remark that if it wasn't for these people who brought their own variant twists on this particular style, I don't think platforming would have been recognized as a gloving style. So, without further ado, if you are really wanting to study platforming and you need a place to start, this is a list that I would say to start with, and I'm sure more people are going to add on to this list as they continue on. But in no particular order, the people you should be watching and studying from are Puppet, Dynamics, Warrior, Tetris, Corrupted, Genghis Wrath, Mez, Furons, Storm, Mr. Freckles, Steamboy, and Megatron. These are the people I, again, will say that you should start with and start studying from because these are the people who really push into different variant styles within platforming itself and actually came up with the staples that is known within platforming. And that is it. That is all I really need to say about platforming at this time. Yes, I will certainly say right now that through my research, especially when it was a concept of the month for Worldwide Glovers, that there was not a whole lot of information on platforming. I mean, when you really think about it at first, yeah, it's a relatively easy concept to do. You know, you have a flat surface and then you operate off flat surface. You incorporate king tutting and finger tutting together. It makes it sound simple, yes, but to truly have a stylized style of platforming, there's a lot more of a paradigm that you need to follow, as it would. So, I certainly hope that with all of my research, all my notes that you will not only find here, but you'll find it in the descriptions, you'll find links to all the tutorials that I was able to find as well, everything I was able to compile together. And I'll certainly say when it comes to reading my notes in Worldwide Glovers, you just gotta join that Discord server. I have a link to it down in the description below as well. Just go join it, you'll find it. If you always need me to help you find it, you can always just ask me. I have various places on social media you can hit me up at, or you can comment down below asking for the invite. I'll just tell you where to find it. But I do want to say that what I came to realize about this series after studying platforming is that there's one thing I will certainly say that I'm taking away from my experience, especially when it comes to researching and developing this episode about platforming, is that there is a lack of information that is coalescing into understanding styles in general. You know, uh, granted, 
with my efforts on previous installments that yes, I'm bringing that visibility to these styles and where people can start from, where they can structurally look at it and be like, yes, this is how the style is structured and this is how it operates and this is what I need to know to get it down. You know, but the other thing I want to point out is what I learned is that the more that we talk about this stuff, the more that we put content out there about this stuff, the more that we're able to refine the techniques that we need to build off of the style. That's how styles are able to grow and expand and evolve as it grows and evolves with the community at large. So I'm hoping with my efforts here that this would encourage people asking more questions about styles. People who see these questions being asked are actually taking the time to sit down and I'm not asking to write out a 12-page thesis on how a style is or how a concept works, but I certainly hope it starts to get people to start thinking very critically about these concepts and these styles and these mechanics within gloving to really help expand them and solidify them as what they are. It's just seeing that there was a massive lack of information available to you for platforming was a concerning thing. And, you know, I'm hoping through my diligence of watching various, and I mean various light shows from a lot of people, especially the ones that are on this list, that it's kind of crazy to sit here and think that there's not a lot of expansion and tutorial stuff that comes with just the platforming style in general. So hopefully if you're somebody who likes making tutorials or likes making gloving content to help people understand this particular style, certainly encourage you to start making tutorials because there seems to be a great lack of it and it's kind of a shocking thing. So I certainly hope you guys enjoy what I had to say in this episode. I certainly say that this is probably one of the another extensively long episode that I had to work on. This took me multiple days to put together. Not only that, I had to spend that whole month just meticulously looking and studying and digging. I mean, I really dug through the Glover's Lounge, Art of Gloving. I went everywhere I can try to find information on platforming itself to put it together. I've talked to members of the Hawaiian community, particularly Genghis Wrath, that really helped me understand what I needed to do to talk about platforming. If it also wasn't for 30k who also really helped me understand platforming to the extent that I do now, I don't think this episode would exist. So this is the thing I really hope that we're taking away from this series is we start having these conversations about styles and concepts within gloving and really start to put literary words to it. You know, start literary, like start structuring how we talk about these concepts with each other to allow people to learn from each other. That's how we build off of things. That's it's us talking about it. You know, now granted, a lot of people are gonna be like, well, we do that all the time when we meet up and stuff. Yes, word of mouth is a very powerful tool. However, if we're not documenting that, then other people who are coming into this wonderful art style that is known as gloving they're going to have a hard time trying to find the information that they need if they want to get into platforming. It's the same way when it comes to morphing, the same way with impact, the same way with conjuring, the same way with teleporting, the same way with any other style you can think of that comes with gloving. 
We got to start having these conversations and start documenting it. So, I don't think I need to go any further. I certainly hope you guys enjoy what I had to say. If you have any questions that I did not cover in this episode, you have the various outlets you can hit me up at. You will find all that linked down in the description below. I will also have linked down in the description below any of the tutorials I was able to find that I'm able to show publicly because in all honesty, I don't understand why we're posting this stuff in Facebook and not putting it on YouTube. You know, that's how we get the information out there. Guys, seriously, we need to stop just keeping this stuff on Facebook. We need to get out of there. All right, all right, I get it. So, yes, you have the various places you can hit me up at. I know I kind of sidetracked it there, but you have the various places you can hit me up at. And of course, if you do like what I'm doing and you like the content that I'm making and you wish to help me out in any way possible to make better content, you have this opportunity to not only like, share, and subscribe to my channel and engage with me to help with the engagement to get me, you know, more engagement, but you also have a one-time donation opportunity at Ko-Fi. Yes, I have a Ko-Fi. Please donate to my Ko-Fi so I continue to listening to Lo-Fi. Oh, man, I am just so tired. As you guys can probably tell, I am extremely tired. I just started a new job. Things are a little hectic for me, so I'm hoping I can get my scheduling down so everything doesn't get so uh, stressful and cramming at the last minute to get everything done, but I'm trying to get things done in a timely manner. Oh boy. Yeah. Once again, thank you guys all for watching. Please let me know if you guys have any questions. Donate to my Ko-Fi if you want to help me out. Other than that, I absolutely love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting me in any way you can, but I am your host, Peter, aka LPD Dubuque, and I'll see you guys all next week.